We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go episode 459 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, December 8th, 2022, the day after the largest free agent contract in MLB history has been reached. Outfielder Aaron Judge, here comes the judge, uh, reportedly agreeing to re sign with the New York Yankees nine years, three. $160 million, $40 million per year. But for our purposes, this is the best part of the whole thing. Brooklyn Nets star Kevin Durant, who of course is from the area. He is from Prince George's County in Maryland, went to Montrose Christian School in Rockville, Maryland. Uh, he, after the Nets 122-116 win over the Charlotte Hornets on Wednesday night, during his postgame press conference, had the following exchange with a reporter. Take a listen. Katie, non-basketball related question. We got the Yankee show coming up next on Yes. What's your reaction to Aaron Judge's contract and him getting that? I'm a national fan. I really don't care about Aaron Judge at all. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Hey, say what you want about Kevin Durant, but he is a big Commanders fan. Uh, he's maybe a future Commanders owner, uh, and he's a big Nationals fan. You got to respect that. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, the Nats ended up not doing much in the now-concluded 2022 MLB Winter Meetings in San Diego, California, but we're going to be doing at least a few things on this installment of the podcast. Next segment, a special guest, Commander's Insider Ben Standig of The Athletic. Uh, get ready for a deep dive on the Commanders regarding both the immediate and bigger pictures. Uh, if you are a fan of the team, and I know that most of you are, you likely are familiar with Ben's work. He breaks a lot of news. He's very well connected. I'm going to ask Ben whether head coach Rod Rivera would bench Taylor Heineke in favor of Carson Wentz as the starting quarterback, despite the team being 5-1-1 one, and one with Tay-Tay in this 2022 regular season, or is the starting quarterback job tailors the rest of the regular season? I'm going to ask Ben if Ron regrets the trade for Carson. Uh, I'm going to get Ben's take on the contract situation of Deron Payne, given something that Ben wrote about recently, the expected skyrocketing of the market for interior defensive linemen. I'm going to get Ben to discuss whether the commanders exercising the fifth-year option in the rookie contract of edge defender Chase Young is the slam dunk that that has been made out to be. Uh, all of that and a lot more with Ben Standing in a supersized conversation next segment. Uh, also on the show, I'll talk Capitals. Uh, they wrapped up their season-long six-game road trip with a second consecutive win, uh, a 4-1 victory at the Philadelphia Flyers on Wednesday night. I'll talk Wizards, uh, another road loss for them, 115-111 at the Chicago Bulls on Wednesday night. And I'll talk some college hoops, home wins for Georgetown and Virginia Tech on Wednesday night. The Hoyas beat Siena, 75-68. The Hokies routed Dayton, 77-49. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Mike 
on the commander's quarterback situation, writes Mike, love the pod, and I'm a diehard Skins slash WFT slash Mandos fan. I was thinking about the quarterback situation and had an outside-the-box question. Would Ron consider using a dual quarterback approach? We always talk about Heineke and Wentz as an either-or topic, but why not use both? Wentz throws a great deep ball, and Heineke has the mobility, so why not use them as the situation dictates? I'm not suggesting messing with the current formula because it is working. However, if the Heineke magic starts to dwindle, maybe we explore this option. Would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, Thank you for the email, Mike. Uh, The biggest problem with the two-quarterback approach is that playing quarterback isn't like playing, say, running back. Uh, The quarterback, of course, is running the offense. He's touching the football on every offensive play. There is a rhythm that every quarterback needs to get into in a game. There is a feel for the opposing defense and a feel for the game that every quarterback in every game needs to develop. And all of that would get disrupted by a two-quarterback approach. Uh, To say nothing of the leadership thing, which I do think can be an overrated thing, but it's not a fake thing. Uh, It is a real thing to at least some extent. We are certainly seeing that this season with Taylor Heineke. And, you know, you'd be neutering each quarterback from a leadership standpoint by playing both quarterbacks substantially. Now, going with a special package situation is different, like what the New Orleans Saints used to do with Taysom Hill when Drew Brees was their starting quarterback. That can work, uh, but that's not a true two-quarterback approach. Uh, There's a saying in football, you've probably heard the saying, when you have two quarterbacks, you really have none. (laughs) And uh, there's a lot of truth in that. Email from Ian, uh, former national shortstop Trey Turner, reportedly having agreed on an 11-year $300 million free agent contract with the Philadelphia Phillies, writes Ian. I, like I'm sure many Nats fans, am very upset that Trey Turner is signing with the Phillies. Uh, I read Barry's Verluga's column in the Washington Post about the Nats not retaining talent and the overall lack of appeal that the team seems to have. Yes, we were able to sign Max Scherzer and Patrick Corbin, but the Nats over the years have been rebuked by many players, such as Jason Hayward, Ben Zobrist, Darren O'Day, and Brandon Phillips. Uh, Those non-deals worked out in our favor, but highlight this trend of, for whatever reason, people seemingly not wanting to come here, and the trend is noticeable at other sports as well. The Redskins slash football team slash commanders, Wizards and Nats, I don't know enough about the Caps to talk about them, all have unique circumstances and there is more context to each individual situation, but from a 30,000 foot view, the teams all share this trend. The football team slash commanders in back-to-back off-seasons tried and failed to acquire Matthew Stafford and Russell Wilson. The Wizards failed in their attempt to sign Kevin Durant, couldn't even get a meeting with him. I think it's embarrassing that we are both the third wealthiest metro area and sixth largest metro area in the United States, but are not viewed as a destination city like Philadelphia and Boston are. Do you have any ideas why this is the case beyond poor performance and what the Nats, Commanders, Wizards, and Camps can do to improve their standings? Uh, Thank you for the email, Ian. Really good topic. So I don't know that it's accurate to call the Capitals a destination franchise, but the Caps in recent years have signed some prominent free agents, including this past July signing the number one goaltender on the free agent market, uh, Darcy Kemper, as an unrestricted free agent. And the Caps have re-signed a bunch of their core players during this uh, Rock the Red era. So I do not consider the Caps a team that players do not find attractive. I actually don't consider the Commanders to overwhelmingly be that way. And I know that I may be in the minority on that, but a few things. Uh, A, while it may be that quarterback Matthew Stafford in the 2021 offseason preferred to be traded to the Los Angeles Rams over being traded to Washington, Washington only went so far in its trade offer to the Detroit Lions for Stafford. Uh, This narrative that the reason that Washington didn't trade for Stafford is because he didn't want to come to Washington is at best incomplete and at worst false. Uh, The Lions dealt Stafford to the Rams for quarterback Jared Goff, first round picks in 2022 and 2023 and a 2021 third round pick. 
Uh, Washington, per multiple reports, offered at least a first-round pick and a third-round pick for Stafford. Uh, Dallas Cowboys insider Mike Fisher of SI.com on February 1st, 2021, reported that Washington offered its 2021 first-round pick, number 19 overall, a third-round pick, and, quote, a starting player, end quote, to the Lions for Stafford. Uh, Washington did not offer to the Lions what the Rams offered to the Lions. Washington did not go all in on trying to trade for Stafford. Uh, B, while it is true that quarterback Russell Wilson this past March preferred to be traded to the Denver Broncos over being traded to the Commanders, it's also true that Washington in March 2021 signed the number one free agent corner that offseason, William Jackson III, uh, never mind how that worked out, uh, and signed one of the top free agent receivers that offseason, Curtis Samuel, right? Washington got each guy on you know a pretty significant unrestricted free agent contract. And Washington in recent years has signed a number of significant players to contract extensions, uh, including receiver Terry McLaurin and interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen and running back J.D. McKissick. This past offseason reneged on an agreed upon unrestricted free agent contract with a Super Bowl contender in the Buffalo Bills in order to re-sign with the commanders and via the same money that he was getting from the Bills. It wasn't like the commanders offered McKissick more money than he got offered from the Bills. I'm not saying that the commanders are an NFL paradise, but this notion that like, you know, no prominent players want to join the team or stay with the team is overrated and actually unfair. Now, the Nats are complicated. Uh, Them not keeping their top stars from just a few years ago is much more about the team not wanting to keep those guys than that is about those guys not wanting to stay with the Nats, who, in my opinion, never truly tried hard enough to keep any of those guys. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And then with the Wizards, uh, yeah, uh, they have not advanced past the second round of the NBA playoffs since 1979. Uh, The Wizards rarely come up as a potential landing spot for NBA stars. Uh, The Wizards are not a destination team, and that is a massive problem and has been for years because in the NBA, you almost have to be a destination team in order to win a championship. Well, if you have been negatively impacted by the negligence of someone else, the law firm that should be your destination is Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. No law firm does a better job of fighting for victims than Paulson and Nace does. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Ace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Ace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. You see, Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who caused clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202 202- 902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can schedule that no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you would like to make more money, and why the heck wouldn't you? 
Uh, consider advertising on the Al Galdi podcast. You'll reach thousands of people every episode and at a very affordable price, grow your business or practice by utilizing the power of the pod. Hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. One of the nice things about the commanders being in the midst of their bye week is that it offers us a chance to take a step back and take in a number of things with the team. During a game week in the regular season, you have news, you have injury situations, you have what people said to reporters. During a bye week, you can take a deep breath and assess. And here to help us do that right now is a man who does an outstanding job of covering the team, Commander's Insider Ben Standig of The Athletic. He is the host of the Standig Room Only podcast. You can follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Standig. Ben, great to have you back on the podcast. How are you? Al, I'm doing well. Pleasure to be back with you and hear those uh, pipes coming right at me. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, great to be here. Well, I appreciate you coming on very much. Uh, I have a variety of items that I want to get into with you, but I'd like to first get your sense of how the head coach in the coach-centric approach, Ron Rivera, is feeling about this season. You have a good relationship with Ron. If someone had given Ron a piece of paper before the season and told Ron that by signing that piece of paper, everything that has happened leading up to this week 14 bye week would happen. In other words, the team would be 7-5 at 1, the quarterback situation would be what it is, etc. Would Ron have signed that piece of paper? I mean, I would say yes. You know, I, I know we, uh, on our side of things, meaning just anybody on the outside, tend to discount how hard it is to just win like we just say hey why aren't you winning and it's like well it's not that easy so the fact that they have figured out a way how to do that you know there's obviously some comparisons to the 2020 season with both the 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 the, the surge after a slow start now lately not playing some not so great quarterbacks but one difference is they actually have a winning record and that year obviously they, they, they didn't uh so it does feel different i guess the question would be does he feel like the ceiling is lower than he'd like if it's beyond just winning some games and maybe even making the playoffs? And that's why they went out and got Carson Wentz in the first place. You know, no dis- no disrespect to Taylor Heineke, but he kind of is what he is. And you hear Rivera talk about it all the time where he's just like, well, that's his Taylor. You know, you kind of accept the good with the bad. And I get that. I think a lot of people do. Not everybody does. So that's the that would be the question for me. Does he feel like, it's good enough to sign that paper knowing you'll make strides, you'll improve, and maybe you'll even make the playoffs, but it's not with the quarterback or the scenario that you wish that would make you feel better, perhaps, about contending truly. Regarding the way that Rod Rivera has talked about Taylor Heineke since he became the quote-unquote starting quarterback, uh, Ron has talked about Taylor in this like blunt, matter-of-fact way. Now, Ron was more positive on Taylor during Ron's day after the game Zoom press conference this past Monday afternoon and did say some nice things about how Taylor played in the 20-old tie at the New York Giants on Sunday afternoon. But do you think that Ron thinks that he may have to bench Taylor in favor of Carson Wentz at some point over the final four regular season games? Um, maybe. I mean, you know, it's funny. I just recorded a podcast with Jay Gruden um, right before you and I talked, and I'll put it out later on, on my podcast. And we talked, we spent a decent amount of time talking about perception and like how, you know, Moneyball, you're a baseball guy, obviously, you know, the, 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 essence of what Moneyball is, is eliminating perception and sticking to the facts, essentially. And how that is so difficult, though, for all of us, really, in life, but like in, even in sports, and you see that here with like Heineke, right? I mean, the perception is he is a little runt that they picked up off the couch, and, you know, uh, he's fine, but like, you know, he's scrappy, but, you know, he's not really a guy you want to start, right? I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of had the same vibe for both basically his whole career. And yet, obviously, the record is what it is, right? I mean, if, if they had drafted Kenny Pickett, just for argument's sake, and they were where they are, people would be ecstatic because, be like, oh, look where they are with this rookie quarterback also on the upside. But we don't have that. Whereas with Wentz, same thing. If they were where they are now with Wentz, 
I think people would be feeling a lot different about the the situation, in part because Wentz can make a, those highlight throws. So I, I don't know what – I just imagine that Rivera thinks what we all think, that Taylor Heineke is a totally fine guy to use when you need to in spot duties, but he isn't somebody you need or you want necessarily in your lineup long term. And that maybe he does have to eventually go to Wentz, but he also, you know, there is that spark, though, the whole Heineke thing. You've talked about it a hundred times. What is it about this guy? <laughs> Somehow people respond to, they seem to win. And yet at the same point, perception and probably reality is you just, eh, it's not enough. And that is, I think, what we're, I think that's where Rivera is willing to sort of show more behind the scenes than he is on some other topics. I think that if you ask most Commanders fans, hey, if you could undo the Carson Wentz trade, would you undo it? Uh, the answer would be a resounding yes. What about Ron Rivera? Do you think that Ron would undo the Carson Wentz trade if Ron could? Good question. I mean, I guess then the question is, well, what are you doing at that point, right? Okay, so let's just say you undo that. You've got Heineke on the roster and what what's the next plan I, I think part of i think to me what was put them in this position is that the second the season ended he's immediately talking about basically we have to get a, a better quarterback or a quarterback upgrade and you know the, all these reports are going to be in the mix for for russell wilson they, they you know the, they're, they're looking they're calling every single team in the league right well if you're putting it out there like that you can't come back with taylor heineke like, even if he is the best scenario, you just can't do that. Now, maybe you could have drafted Kenny Pickett in the first round, and I'm just saying him because he was the one guy that did go in the first round. You do that, and people be like, all right, we need a bridge quarterback. Heineke can be that guy just the way, like, Fitzpatrick kind of was, or or if you had signed a Mitch Trubisky or something like that and gone down that route. But other than that, like, what were you going to do? Like, to me, what the Steelers ended up doing is kind of where my head was at a lot, the Trubisky – Pickett route, and if you decide for Washington, Heineke and Pickett and Trubisky are basically the same, don't have to do anything else, it's fine. I guess you wonder about Garoppolo. I know he just got hurt, obviously, but he was the guy that I was talking about. I, mean, I wasn't really talking about Carson Wentz at all prior to the trade. Um, if Garoppolo, even with the injury, you know, do you say, let's go with him? Well, we have Heineke to fill in as needed, and go from there maybe that but that's the thing I, I what's the alternative uh, yeah you know I, that's what i would you know how close were they to thinking about even taking kenny pickett uh you know versus not not after they got wentz but just generally versus anybody else I, you would think yes i guess is what i'm, I'm blabbing here you would think yes he would say we should we, we could redo it i would but at the same point what you can't just say well they would just run back with heineke and a fifth round pick and call it a day What's funny is that knowing all that we now know, there isn't this obvious other thing that the commanders should have done at quarterback this past offseason. So many of the veteran quarterback acquisitions of last offseason have been flops. The quarterback class for the 2022 NFL draft, at least right now, certainly seems to have been what people thought that the class was. I mean, if ever there was an offseason in which a franchise quarterback needy team like the Commanders should have done very little at quarterback. This past offseason may well have been that offseason. Like, in hindsight, the thing that basically nobody wanted to do, run it back with Taylor Heineke, may well should have been the thing that the team did. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's hard to argue against that uh, for, for, for sure. And I guess like that really is to me, like, I'm not, you know, I know like we do a lot of the Monday morning quarterbacking you know, should they have taken Justin Herbert or now even Tua um, instead of Chase Young. And I, you know, in, we'll have to do that again. But like, I would just say that's kind of an unfair criticism for them for a hundred different reasons. But I would like to know why, what they thought of Kenny Pickett. Again, I'm not saying Kenny Pickett is the next great thing. But imagine how we would be feeling about him. Even let's just say that they weren't even where they are right now. Let's say they were instead of seven and five and one, they were five seven and one or something. But if Kenny Pickett is doing what he's doing for Pittsburgh, I think you'd be feeling better about this from a long term deal. And that's the thing about Carson Wentz, right? It's not just about this year; it's about next year. If hypothetically Carson Wentz had to come in for whatever the reason, Heineke got hurt or something down the stretch and wins games. 
there's at least a debate at that point whether or not you bring him back. Maybe you redo the contract in some way. But at least a debate. If that doesn't happen, they are back to square one with the quarterback. There's, I can't buy. I can't imagine a world. I guess if Heineke runs the table here, but you know, I can't imagine a world where they're feeling like Taylor Heineke is their week one starter next year. Thus, they're in that same boat. So, I would love to know what they thought about Kenny Pickett. You know, again, once you trade for Went, once you make the Wentz trade, there's really can't take Pickett sixteen. But if they never do that. Or, you know, did they just decide automatically, Pickett's not for us? Because that would have been interesting. You trade down to 16. You don't really need Jahan Dotson, even though, you know, he's looked pretty good. What That would be the one move I wonder about in terms of, like, what they thought about Pickett in, in real time. Taylor Heineke, of course, is set to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. I, for months, have felt that the commanders should be talking contract extension with him because, at the very least, he's a really good QB2. Uh, we have seen Washington do some late season contract extensions in recent years. Do you have any sense of whether the commanders have talked contract extension with Taylor this season? I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago and I sort of was just told uh, that it was like too early or whatever. And I say a couple weeks ago, I don't necessarily mean two. I just at some point earlier. Um, look, it's interesting from, from everybody's perspective, right? On the one hand, Taylor Heineke has been an NFL starting quarterback for two years in a row. Like, if we assume that he's going to finish out the string year, or at least, you know, right? Wait, what's he? What's he at now? Seven starts. So he started one more game than went. You know, as long as he starts two more games, he will have started more games this year than any quarterback on the roster for the second year in a row. So I, I would, you can't just, I wouldn't think you could just say, "Hey, we're gonna, you're gonna get no money here," you know, and call it a day. You're lucky to have it. Um, he's, he's shown enough. And so other team might say, Hey, you know, let's use Heineke as a bridge or as a really, you know, we're a Super Bowl contender. We need a backup or whatever. Um, but on the other hand, if you're Taylor Heineke, you might be thinking, you know, part of what my success is, is I know Scott Turner's offense inside and out. And, you know, they, they, he believes in me as well. Maybe I go somewhere else and that's not the case. I got to learn a new system and they're not going to use me appropriately or whatever. So that's the interesting balance there. But, um, uh, let me ask you this question. Obviously, in a logical world, Taylor Heineke has shown he can be a really good number two, and you want that on your team. you got to have good backups. Is there a world, though, where they may have to say to themselves, look, uh, if we keep having him here, this is going to keep happening. Huh. The second that the, whoever we bring in <laughs> is going to have a uh, get hurt or whatever, we're never going to get out of this cycle that maybe we need to like sort of cut the cord to move forward. I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm just saying this is a thought exercise I was having with somebody the other day. What do you think about that? (laughs) That's funny. I get the thinking. Uh, I do not think that that is at all the right way to approach the situation. Uh, Every NFL team should have more than one quarterback with whom the team feels like it can win. And especially when a team does not have a franchise quarterback as the commanders do not have a franchise quarterback, you keep as many viable quarterback options on the roster as possible. But I get the idea, uh, the temptation of Taylor Heineke, the Taylor Heineke temptation uh, that probably always will be a thing as long as he's on the team. Much more with Ben Standing in moments. I'm going to next ask him about the contract situation of interior defensive lineman Duran Payne. But the Duran Payne of real estate agents in the Washington, D.C. area is Kellen Hunt. If you are on the hunt for a new home in the Washington, D.C. area, the way that Duran this season has been on the hunt for opposing quarterbacks, get with Kellen Hunt. Uh, You know, right now actually is a sneaky good time to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area. Prices are coming down. Moody's Analytics is predicting an overall year-to-year housing price decline of 6% nationally and about a 10% fall from the price peak this past June. Housing prices are falling. Uh, Now actually is a very good time to buy a home, even with the increases in mortgage rates. You could always refinance when the rates come down, and they will. If you are looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, if you want to take advantage of the current marketplace, contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. 
Visit CloseItWithKel.com. That's CloseItWithKel, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the current market, but he's not just some know-it-all. He is here for you to listen to you, to hear what you want, and then determine the best way of going about getting you what you want, no matter your age or situation in life. His website says it all, CloseItWithKel.com. Kellen Hunt is a closer. Kellen Hunt will close you buying the home that you want, and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yes, you the buyer, Get a piece of the action. If you are looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, if anyone who you know is looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, the name to know is Kellen Hunt. Take advantage of the current marketplace with Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book your call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. We're talking with Commander's Insider Ben Standig of The Athletic. So, Duran Payne, uh, you this past offseason were at the forefront of this situation, uh, reporting that the Commanders were not even talking contract extension with Duran. Uh, boy, is that interesting now, given the monster season that he's having. You recently had a very good piece for The Athletic in which you got into the market for Duran as an unrestricted free agent this coming off season, and how the average annual value for a multi-year contract for him could be $21 million, given the expectation that the market for interior defensive linemen is going to soar. A franchise tag for Duran is expected to be around $18 million. Could this be, might this be a time that a franchise tag for Washington might actually make sense and might actually work because the tag would be lower than the AAV for a multi-year contract for Duran and could legitimately serve as a placeholder to work out a multi-year contract with Duran this offseason. You know, it's funny. They like using the term complimentary football to, you know, the offense helps the defense. Well, this is sort of the same. It's complimentary negotiation, yeah. right? Because if Carson Wentz was still a thing and they were going to keep him making $20 million next year with a $26 million cap hit, I don't know if there's much of debate here on Duran Payne because at some point you just run out of money. And that was the whole reasoning for why I think they didn't extend him or make an offer in the first place was because what do you, what are you going to do? You just signed John Allen. You ideally don't want to pay two defensive tackles crazy money. And you've got Montez Sweat and Chase Young coming behind for extensions. And you want to pay a quarterback. Well, now, if they're in this position of they move on from Wentz and, you know, we'll have to see what the free agent market or the trade market looks like come that time. But if you end up going with Heineke and draft a rookie, you have a lot more money to play with. And then that's where... The, the pain situation comes in. So, yeah, I mean, I do think the tag could work. Obviously, it's not great from a cap perspective because all the money gets thrown in at once and blah, blah, blah. But um, that's conceivable. I, I really think that that's what makes this Chase Young situation so fascinating because, look, I still believe you can't realistically extend all four of those guys from an asset allocation standpoint. But what are you going to do? you going to let pain walk? Like, the, the idea of not paying... Two defensive tackles, like even for that story, even though Payne's had the year he's had, and even though people have questions about, you know, when's Chase Young going to come back, everybody I talked to was basically like, no, no, you got to keep it, you got to keep it a strength. I mean, they were all like, I don't want to do it, but it's not hypothetical. This is real. This is where their strength is. You've got to probably figure out a way to keep Payne. And so, based on that, I, I, I do feel more optimistic that they should. I don't know that they will, but I feel more optimistic that they. Should, but that then it is like, well, where are we at with Chase Young? And if he doesn't do much of anything over these last few, four games, if he, assuming he's playing, then I think they really have a tough call in their hands as to how to view this thing going forward uh, in, in terms of extending all these guys. Yeah, and I would say this with Chase Young, as he continues to still not make his season debut, and he physically may never be what he was, and Washington's defensive line for a second consecutive season is either playing the line's best or playing extremely well without Chase, should it be a given that the commanders this offseason exercise the fifth-year option in his rookie contract? I mean, Ron Rivera this past Monday afternoon basically said that the commanders don't need 
Chase Young right now. He did, because I my, my question to him was, okay, you already told us that the field in New, in New Jersey didn't matter, which could have leaned into that, but, you know, okay, he said it didn't matter. And then I was like, all right, well, if that didn't matter, well, then you're saying he's not ready, because otherwise, why would you not have played him even just, you know, I mean, he's, he's already available. Like, it's just a matter of you have to say he's going to go play 10 snaps or not. And he said, well, look, I mean, frankly, you know, we're, we, 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 we're not like in desperate need to, to get him back on the field. And, and I have a story going up, uh, I think Wednesday, I don't know. Uh, but uh, I reviewed the offense already. I'm reviewing the defense. And, like, I went back and sort of re- re- reminded myself and everyone else how there were a lot of questions. Like, oh, boy, they didn't go out and really do anything in free agency this year with regards to replacing Chase Young. Yeah, they, they brought in F.A. Albada. They have James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuhill and Shaka Tony. But come on, like, that's not a real thing. Well, those guys have held up. In fact, like, James Smith-Williams and, Sha- and uh, F.A. Albada, they don't have a ton of sacks. Two for Smith-Williams, three for Albada. But that's more sacks in fewer snaps than Chase Young did last year when he was playing. I mean, uh, you know, I, I I get that's not like a fair. There's other variables that go into that, but yeah, they have been they have been better. We haven't heard Rivera talk about maturity and discipline issues once, really. Uh, you know, not 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 a consistent way, at least um, the way he did last year. So yeah, I mean, it really is a weird spot of saying we know we'll be have a better chance, a higher potential with Chase out there, but we're kind of doing pretty well right now, and I, you know he. It's it, it, yeah, it's it's weird across the board that he's not feeling it. I guess based on how they're viewing it, and that simultaneously they're not like, oh, we have to rush him out here because they are doing well. So yeah, it is really. I, I, I guess I would still think they'd pick up the fifth year option for if no other reason, it's an asset. You don't want to let the asset kind of get away, but at the same time, the fact that we're even having that wonder is really kind of remarkable. I have a few quick hitter topics to close this out. Uh, linebacker Cole Holcomb, we on Monday morning learned that he has undergone foot surgery and is done for the season. He ends up playing in just seven regular season games in what was a contract season for him. Does what happened with him this season make the commanders re-signing him more likely or less likely, in your opinion? Uh, first of all, keep me as long as you want. You're Al Galdi. Come on. Secondly, uh, yeah, it's a good question, right? Like, on the one hand, I, I've already seen some of the perception of, well, now he's going to have to take, like, a you know, cheaper deal or, 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 or whatever. Um, maybe. But what are they doing? Like, the, like, the, like the, when we talk about their linebacker depth questions, well, it's still there. They're getting by by using five and six safeties as much as they are, like, using another linebacker. I know John Bostic's filled in, but, again, no chance – they view that as the long-term answer, I wouldn't think. Jamie Davis has improved, fortunately. Um, but, you know, I, I I I think there's a potential good marriage, situa- marriage situation with Holcomb. Like, he obviously, is, his market value will take a hit because of this, this way this year has gone. But they can't just simply say, well, you know, take it or leave it. So I, I, I think bringing him back would make some sense. Obviously, we'll have to see what, you know, how things unfold. But, like, between the fact that they don't have an obvious replacement and his market, you know, is going to be not as strong as we hoped, I would think there's a world where they bring him back. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, you, know, you know, again, if they start re-signing Payne and they get a quarterback, you know, they may have to make some calls and decide. All right, we'll draft the linebacker in the third round, and that's our our other guy. With the monster game against the New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football in Week 15, a win for the Commanders in that game wouldn't officially clinch anything, but is it correct to view that game as essentially the chance to clinch a playoff spot, as in, hey, if the Commanders win that game, they're very likely going to make the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, obviously they could still lose like the next three, but like, yeah, I would. It's, it was already obviously going to be a huge game, but it's almost huger <laughs> on some weird level because of the of the tie. You know, um, yeah, they've got a. I, I agree. I think. I mean, look, if we're assuming that the Giants lose this week to Philly, then they'll be tied going into that game. Whoever wins that, like, there's no tiebreakers except to worry about, except for the Giants. So if they win, they have the tiebreaker. They'd be a game up on them with the tiebreaker. You lose, it's the opposite. So 
Uh, I, I think you'd feel pretty good about your situation with a win. I think you'd be pretty nervous with a loss uh, unless you know Seattle starts uh, flaming out or something as the other team right there. But uh, yeah, I, I think this is a, a massively important game. Again, that's probably stating the obvious, but now that you've eliminated, like I said, the tiebreakers with everybody else, essentially, it's the Giants or bust. So yeah, they kind of got to win this game. Given that the Commanders are 6-1-1 one, and one, since they're 1-4 and four starred, and given that the sale of the team almost certainly would not be finalized until at least March, uh, which is past the annual coaching cycle, is it now safe to say that Ron Rivera will be back for a fourth season as Washington head coach? I mean, if the, yeah, if my options are c- come back or not, I would, I would lean towards the comeback part. You know, that's the thing with Rivera. It's, I mean, not only... Um, is he one of the more popular figures in the league? So he can probably, from a perception standpoint, maybe get away with a little more than others in terms of losses. I mean, look, he, you know, in 11 seasons, he's had eight losing seasons, but the highs were pretty high. And again, he's pretty popular, but now they're also winning. And, you know, it is constantly stated and probably with some fact behind it that, you know, he was the right guy at the right time for this organization in terms of all the scandals to have a guy who's, you know, he's been able to handle these things. You know, it's really been remarkable to me. We talk about what's been the key for all this success, this turnaround that forget to me, the quarterback or some other things, the, the Rivera's ability, not just this year, but throughout the last three years to keep this team focused and engaged and not thinking about this other stuff. Like that locker room is, even when they were struggling, they didn't seem like a group that was like pissing at each other and like backbiting. They were like in it together. And now I think you're really seeing that come out on the other end here. So I give Rivera a lot of credit for that. And therefore, yeah, I would think he's probably pretty safe, almost regardless, unless, you know, they just have a total flame out or, you know, a new owner comes in and has a, you know, like the way Jerry Jones did a hundred years ago. And it's like, no, 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 no. I have my guy, Jimmy Johnson. You know, unless it's something like that, I, w- I would think Rivera's pretty safe. All has been quiet on the commander's ownership situation front for a few weeks now. Almost too quiet. Uh, does it still feel to you that this is happening, that the Snyders are selling the commanders? And at some point over the next, say, six months, the team will have new ownership. Yeah, I, I sort of said some version of this to you before we started. Like, it feels like we're talking about a a pitcher throwing a no hitter. We're in the seventh inning. Like, <laughs> so nobody, nobody, nobody talked to him. Nobody asked any questions. Just let it play out. Um, you know, I, I think the thing for me has been every time somebody says something that Dan Snyder or his people do not like, a statement follows. Uh, how dare you question us in this way, or you're being unfair, or whatever. And in this particular case, in t- I mean, they're the ones who effectively got the ball rolling by saying they're exploring all their financial options. But when the conversation has shifted to something like this, like they're clearly going to sell, we've heard no response from them. And that to me is about as telling as it can be. doesn't mean it will ultimately happen. I know you're dealing with the Nats situation and uh, you know, the longer that goes, I think there's some question about whether the Nats are going to rethink what they're doing and maybe just look for a minority uh, investor Snyder thing is different, obviously, and I, I would still imagine it's happening. Because based on the you know, things I've heard, as well as what I just said about there's been no pushback from them about that idea. So I think it's still happening. I'm happy it's been quiet lately, frankly. You know, I think we all are. We can focus on football and not these other things. We're still waiting for the congressional report to drop, for the NFL Mary Joe White report to drop, whether that's tom- today, tomorrow, five months, we'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, I would still lean towards it's it's or happening, but like I said, I'm just let's let's let it play out. Yes, let the no hitter continue. Uh, he is outstanding, Commanders Insider Ben Standing of the Athletic. Ben, thanks a lot for your time. Much appreciated. Al, anything for you, man? Thanks. All right. Up next, the Capitals. A good win for the Caps on Wednesday night and their longest road trip of the season. And the win included winger Alex Ovechkin getting closer to a major milestone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, finally, it is over. The Capitals' season-long six-game road trip, and actually, it ended up not being so bad. Uh, the Caps improved to 12-12-4 with a 4-1 win at the Philadelphia Flyers on Wednesday night. So the Caps ended up going 3-2-1 on this season-long six-game road trip, uh, salvaged the trip by winning the last two games. Monday night, a 3-2 win at the Edmonton Oilers. Now, Wednesday night, this 4-1 win at the Flyers. A nice job by the Caps, especially considering that they, on this trip, lost Two more players to injury, uh, goaltender Darcy Kemper and defenseman Martin Fehervari each suffered an upper body injury in the 5-2 loss at the Calgary Flames this past Saturday night. Each guy missed a second consecutive game on Wednesday night as the Caps remained without a bunch of other players due to injury. Uh, defenseman Dmitry Orloff and five forwards, Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, Connor Brown, Carl Hagelin, and Beck Malenstein. This was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his postgame session with reporters on Wednesday night. Yeah, the, the Edmonton game was fast and quick and on point. This one was gutsy. I mean, it's it's been a grind. You know, the, the, the travel and the late night entries into the hotel, and it's going to catch up with you at some point. And um, our guys just battled. I mean, they rarely battled and competed, and they didn't give in. And it was uh, it was a really, really good gutsy team win. Uh, by the way, Wednesday was Peter Labulette's birthday. He turned 58. Happy birthday. Uh, the Caps on Wednesday night did lose the puck possession battle, but did a good job of generating high danger chances. Uh, the Caps, per natural stat trick, had 39 five-on-five shot attempts to the Flyers' 42, but also 11 five-on-five high-danger shot attempts to the Flyers' six. Uh, Winger Alex Ovechkin had two goals. Uh, Now, they were two third-period even-strength empty net goals, uh, but still, two goals. Uh, He now has 795 career NHL regular season goals and now is within six goals of tying Gordie Howe for the second-most regular season goals in NHL history at 801. Ovi on Wednesday night also had a game-high eight shots on goal and a game-high 14 total shot attempts. Good game for center Dylan Strom. Uh, he had a third-period even-drank goal and a primary assist. He went 11-8 and eight on face-offs, and he finished number one on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 59 0.09. Uh, the Caps with Strom on the ice in five on five situations in the game had 13 shot attempts versus allowing nine shot attempts. Uh, Caps went one of four on the power play. Winger TJ Oshie had a second period power play goal and a game high four takeaways. He did commit a first period hooking minor. Uh, with Darcy Kemper out, Charlie Lindgren was the Caps starting goaltender for a second consecutive game, and he was good. He stopped 29 of the 30 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, Lindgren, per natural stat trick, stopped all six of the high danger shots on goal that he faced. He stopped five of the six medium danger shots on goal that he faced, and he stopped all 16 of the low danger shots on goal 
that he faced. Uh, the Caps for a second straight game with Lindgren as a starting goaltender made it so that he faced a lot of low danger shots on goal. Uh, the Caps went 2-3 on the penalty kill. Here was Peter Laviolette during his postgame session with reporters on Wednesday night on Charlie Lindgren. He was really good. He was really good. Um, he was on point and it was busy. You know, I thought Philly worked really hard and um, you know, they're, they're pressing a score. There's, there's, there's pucks coming out our net and you're just always involved in the game and you got to stay focused. And I thought he did a great job. Yes, he did. Uh, next up for the Caps, a home game. Finally, uh, the Caps are home to the Seattle Kraken Friday night at 7, although the Caps then will have two road games uh, at the Winnipeg Jets Sunday night at 7 and at the Chicago Blackhawks Tuesday night at 9. So the Capitals have done well in recent days. Uh, the Wizards, however, are not doing well. Uh, they fell to 11-14 with a 115-111 loss at the Chicago Bulls on Wednesday night. The Wizards now have lost four consecutive games, now have lost seven of the team's last eight games, and the Wizards now are just 3-9 and nine on the road as compared to 8-5 and five at home. The Wizards have been like a totally different team on the road this season. Uh, the Wizards on Wednesday night were without three key players, uh, Bradley Beal, Rui Hachimura, and DeLon Wright all out. Uh, Beal did not play due to a right hamstring strain that he suffered in the Wizards' previous game, the 130-119 loss to the Los Angeles Lakers at Capital One Arena on Sunday evening. The Wizards on Monday night announced that Beal would be out for at least the team's next three games. Uh, Rui Hachimura on Wednesday night missed a ninth consecutive game due to right ankle soreness, and DeLon Wright remains out due to a grade two right hamstring strain that he suffered in a 120-99 win over the Detroit Pistons at Capital One Arena on October 25th. The Bulls on Wednesday night were without Lonzo Ball due to injury. Uh, This was a competitive game. The Wizards overcame an 11-point second quarter deficit, led through three quarters at 81-80, but then lost the fourth quarter 35-30. The Wizards had a mixed game offensively, went just 9-31 on threes, did go 30-43 in the paint, scored 60 points in the paint, but the Wizards went just 20-29 on free throws. You know, in a game that you lose by four, going at 20-29 on free throws stands out. The Bulls went 15-17 on free throws. So the Wizards only outscored the Bulls by five points on free throws, despite having 12 more free throw attempts than the Bulls had. Uh, Also, the Wizards committed 18 turnovers uh, and had issues defensively. Uh, The Wizards allowed the Bulls to go 10-23 on threes and 35-67 on twos. Uh, The Wizards, in that fourth quarter that they lost, 35-30, allowed DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine to combine for 28 points. Uh, Wizards did have 12 steals as the Bulls finished with 19 turnovers. Uh, Some individual Wizards who stood out. uh, Chris Dapps, Porzingis, very mixed game. 34 minutes, 36 seconds as a starter. 0-6 on threes, just 12-16 on free throws. And he committed five turnovers, but he did go 8-11 of on twos, and he finished with 28 points, nine rebounds, four assists, two blocks, and two steals. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, 37 minutes, 55 seconds as a starter. 2-5 of on threes, 6-13 of on twos, and 3-4 of on free throws. He finished with 21 points, five rebounds, two steals, and one assist versus three turnovers. Uh, Monte Morris, 37 minutes, 15 seconds as a starter. He went two of six on threes, five of seven on twos, and one of one on free throws. He finished with 17 points and eight assists versus three turnovers. And Denny Avdia had a nice game, 38 minutes, 51 seconds as a starter. Oh, one on threes, four of seven on twos, two of three on free throws. He finished with 10 points, six assists versus no turnovers, five rebounds, and four steals. Uh, This was not like some debacle of a performance by the Wizards, but it was not good enough, and ultimately, it was another loss for the Wizards. Uh, Next up for them, at the Indiana Pacers, so another road game, uh, Friday night at 7. And let's talk some college basketball. Both Georgetown and Virginia Tech were in action on Wednesday night, and both teams won. 
Uh, Georgetown improved a 5-5 five and five overall with a 75-68 win over Siena at Capital One Arena on Wednesday evening. Uh, the game was close, and then the Hoyas pulled away with a 25-10 second-half run to go from trailing by 6 points at 56-50 to leading by 9 points at 75-66. Uh, Hoyas went just 5-16 on threes, but went 25-45 on twos and outscored Siena in the paint 38-24, a good game for the Hoyas defensively. Hoyas held Siena to 9-27 on threes and just 13-36 on twos. Uh, LSU transfer Brandon Murray had a very nice game, 39 minutes as a starter. He went 2-4 on threes, 5-10 on twos, and 4-6 on free throws. He finished with 20 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists versus 1 turnover, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. Uh, Duquesne transfer Primo Spears. 38 minutes as a starter, 101 on threes, 6 of 10 on twos, 3 of 5 on free throws. He finished with 18 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds, and 2 steals. He did commit 5 turnovers. Uh, Arizona State transfer Jay Heath, 37 minutes as a starter. He went just 1 of 6 on threes, but also 6 of 10 on twos. He went 1 of 2 on free throws. He finished with 16 points, 5 rebounds, including 3 offensive boards and 2 assists versus no turnovers. And the Maryland transfer, Kudis Wahab, who, of course, transferred from Georgetown to Maryland. Uh, he had a good game on Wednesday evening. 30 minutes as a starter, 5 of 11 from the field, all twos, 0-1 on free throws. He finished with 10 points and 12 rebounds, including five offensive boards. Uh, so the Hoyas get a win. And these days, you know, any win for the Hoyas is welcome if you're a Georgetown fan. Uh, next up for the Hoyas, their greatest rival, Georgetown at Syracuse, Saturday afternoon at 1. Uh, meantime, Virginia Tech continues to roll. The Hokies improved to 9-1 overall with a 77-49 blowout at Dayton at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia on Wednesday night. Uh, this was a no-doubter. The Hokies in the first half doubled up Dayton. 42-21. Uh, Tech was led by Grant Vasili. He's a graduate student transfer from Wright State. He, in 31 minutes as a starter, went 4-9 on threes, 5 of 8 on twos, and 1-2 on free throws. He finished with 23 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 blocks. Uh, the Hokies held Dayton to just 3 of 15 on threes and to just 15 of 45 on twos. Uh, next up for Virginia Tech, again against Oklahoma State at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, as part of the Basketball Hall of Fame Invitational. Uh, the game will take place this Sunday afternoon at 2, and then after that game will be number 13 Maryland versus number 7 Tennessee at the Barclays Center. All right, two more items before we call it a show. MLB's 2022 winter meetings are done. Uh, they took place in San Diego, California, lasted Sunday through Wednesday. We on Wednesday had the 2022 Rule 5 draft in which the Nationals and Orioles each took a player. The Nats with the number one pick in the Rule 5 draft took pitcher Thad Ward. Uh, he spent the last five seasons in the Boston Red Sox organization, underwent Tommy John surgery in June 2021. He's the Nats' first Rule 5 draft pick since 2010, if you can believe that. Uh, the O's, on the other hand, have made a lot of Rule 5 draft picks in recent years. Uh, outfielder Anthony Santander was a Rule 5 draft pick of the O's in 2016. Uh, the O's in this year's Rule 5 draft took pitcher Andrew Politi uh, from the Red Sox organization. The way it works with a Rule 5 draft pick is that he must remain on the Major League roster for the entire season, including at least 90 days on the active roster. Otherwise, you lose the player uh, back to the team from which you took the player. Uh, the Nats, because they are rebuilding, are in prime position to let a guy like Thad Ward uh, be on their Major League roster for the entire 2023 season. Uh, he was the Red Sox's organizational pitcher of the year for 2019. Uh, also, very good news for Virginia football. The NCAA has granted an extra year of eligibility to those players for whom this season was their final season of eligibility. Uh, this due to Virginia's final two games being canceled off the murders of three players on November 13th. Uh, those three players, receiver Lavelle Davis Jr., receiver in Wisconsin, transfer Devin Chandler and linebacker 
slash defensive end Deshaun Perry, uh, a fourth player running back Mike Hollins and a student Marley Morgan were injured in the shooting uh, for which a former Virginia player is facing charges. Uh, it still is hard to believe that that happened, but of course uh, that did happen. Uh, and that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 460, will include an update on the commander's ownership situation. I'm going to welcome on sports business insider A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports. Uh, A.J. has been all over everything going on with Dan Snyder. And so with us in the midst of the commander's bye week, uh, now's a good time to check in on the biggest overall development with the team this year, uh, that the team appears to be up for sale. Are the co-owners and co-CEOs, Dan and Tanya Snyder, in fact, selling the entirety of their ownership of the team? Uh, Why exactly are they doing this? How soon might this get done? How likely is Amazon founder Jeff Bezos buying the team? Uh, We'll get into all of that and more with AJ Perez. I'll also have a Goldilocks selection for you for the final game of the 2022 college football regular season, Navy versus Army at Lincoln Financial Field on Saturday afternoon at 3. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Katie, non-basketball-related question. We got the Yankee show coming up next on Yes. What's your reaction to Aaron Judge's contract and him getting that? I'm a Nationals fan. I really don't care about Aaron Judge at all. Okay.